Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that's always just attacking kids in a suit of armor, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Am I attacking kids wearing suits of armor, or am I wearing a suit of armor and attacking kids? I think you're in a suit of armor attacking a child. You know, I think I could take the kids without the suit of armor, honestly. When has a suit of armor ever won against anybody? Ever. Besides, like, people in the Hmm. suit of armor, I mean just the, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just (laughs) an animated suit of armor. It never wins. It's the worst offense. Yeah. They kind of just exist to, like, blow apart into pieces of armor. Because it looks cool. Yeah, to look sweet. Exactly. (laughs) Well, how are you doing this week, Brandon? (sighs) I could be better. Yeah. Speaking of things blowing apart into pieces... (laughs) Uh, wow, what a great just, segue. I've okay. got this I've got this thing where my life will just be, you know, smooth sailing for a little while and then all at once in like a span of a week just everything breaks. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. I'm I'm in one of those spaces right now. All right. Well, hold on. Let me get a piece of paper, get a pen. All right, give me the list. All right. Washing machine. Oh. No. Okay, next. Refrigerator. Get the Seriously? What's what's next? Computer monitor. Oh. oh you can still record though, I, I take it, you know, since we are recording. Well, yeah, I'm on my I'm on my laptop, which okay. was almost It's next, right? Is next. Was almost broken. <laughs> my son was standing on top of it today with the mouse in between the keyboard and the screen. <laughs> no. No. And I, I lifted that screen with, like, like you could have played the most suspenseful music. I lifted it so slowly, just expecting to see broken glass and, you know, oh black ink bleeding everywhere. Yeah. But it's okay. It's all right. That's good. I was spared That's that good. one for now. Maybe that is the you know, good luck charm that is just going to spin this whole thing all around, right? <laughs> yep. I've crested the wave. Now I'm on the other side. That's all the that's all the damages, right? I mean, for now. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I really hope that this doesn't trans transmute over to me because I will be so mad at you, Brandon. You have no idea. Yeah, I think I think it is that kind of thing. Well, that's how it always happens. Yeah. So thanks, first of all. <laughs> well, I had to get rid of this curse somehow. I set up my little vacant lot, and I just waited for you to come, and I was like, ah, can I sell you a broken refrigerator? (laughs) Well, I'm really sorry about this, Brandon. (laughs) That sounds horrible. But other than that, aces. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, So how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, uh, in the last week, we redid my podcast room, so uh, my walls are a different color, and I have some furniture in here, and it looks really nice. What color did you go with? Oh, we went with like a, it's very beachy in here. It's like a lighter blue. It has a little bit of green in it. Ooh, seafoam green? No, it's not quite that, but um, I can't remember the name of the color, but it doesn't really matter because those are all bullshit anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just say it's bluish and I've got it. It's bluish. All right. A nice nooch color. I wanted it to be darker, but um, that's okay, I guess. I'm not repainting now because painting's the worst. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Let's just forget all of our bad bad luck, our colored walls. Are you ready to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. Okay. I am. You ready for a distraction? (laughs) (laughs) We just got done watching The Tale of the Silver Sight Part 2. What did you think of Part 2, Brandon? Part 2 was okay. Mm -hmm. It, It... what I expected after seeing part one, I thought, okay, we're going to see these scenes. And we did. We did. Yeah. We got a couple of scenes that are the exact same from the first episode, which like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've said this a couple of times now. I know this is supposed to be watched all in one sitting. So, um, still pretty cool though. I like the way that they, uh, show us old scenes and then expand upon them a bit. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's not the dark Empire Strikes Back of the Silver Sight trilogy. <laughs> no, it's not. But, but uh, it you wasn't know, bad. we get some neat stuff. Yeah. Um, I was, I gotta say, I was expecting a little bit more, um, 
just all around. Uh, a little bit more spooks, maybe. Uh, a little bit more dire situations, I guess. Nope, you don't get that. You just get a little bit of weirdness. Yeah, it's and just more mostly of that weird. fucking kid. Yeah, that kid's everywhere. Like, literally, he's everywhere. <laughs> Seriously, he will not go away. So what you're trying to tell me is that in part three, you just want him to die. <laughs> Hopefully, again, because he's got to be dead already, right? I don't remember. I don't know. But we'll find out. Are you ready to get into this one? Yep. Okay. Our episode starts up, and we get a recap from the first episode. It's like a two-minute recap. Just like we thought. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's like, like half the episode. It makes It really is. They go on and on. It's the entire scene where Gary's telling the gang about the silver site and their mission about getting all the record pieces. It 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 just skips all that nonsense about Graham getting attacked and then all that though. Like nobody cares. And we get another seriously. <laughs> it was funny. It's like literally two minutes long of just the campfire scene at the in the first episode, which is like I guess necessary. Yeah, you need that if you're watching it in parts week a week apart. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we get another chapter title card, this time saying the homecoming queen, and there's little, like, woos in the back, and that cuts over to Quinn walking through the mud at the outside of a junkyard, and he's got a piece of paper in his hands, and he walks up to a locked gate, he looks at the paper, looks at the sign, and says, no chance this is right, and he goes over and he touches a shovel and a pile of garbage, saying, wasted time. Been there ten seconds, dude. Yeah, he didn't even, like, I get it. He was probably expecting, like, a house or whatever, but, like, he doesn't even give a fuck. No. He spent all that time to walk there, and he's just like, <laughs> fuck this. He takes a couple of steps past a huge collection of car doors. Did you see that? They were all, like, arranged and stuff. Yeah. Very neat. It was crazy. And he's yelling, yo, anybody here? I'm looking for... And he's interrupted by the bark of a dog. And he takes one look at that dog, and he says, oh, man. And he backs up slowly from it as the dog barks at him some more. And then he tells the dog, If you want to bite me, you're going to have to catch me. And he runs away from it, and the dog follows. That quip was like a few seconds that he could have used to get a head start. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody would have just started running, I think. I don't I don't like... Uh, I, I, if this happened to me, I would be so mad. I don't think I would run from the dog. I think I would probably try to just, like, kick it. I'd be like... Kyoka! And then it would probably run away from me. Well, this isn't just a dog. This is a junkyard dog. That's a special kind of dog. I know. In an RPG, that's like a high-level dog that you don't fuck with until endgame. It's like the dog boss, but even so, like, I can't run, so I would just try to Kyoka it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd lazy maze the shit out of that dog. Quinn runs through the junkyard screaming for help, and he runs up to this dude with a flannel coat on and a big fan in his hands. And he runs up yelling for help that the dog's going to get him. But we, but he turns and the dog is gone. And the guy asks what the problem is. Because whatever it was, it's gone now. And Quinn asks the dude why he didn't have, why he didn't have a beware of dog sign out front. And the guy tells him, it's because he ain't got no dog. And he shrugs and he walks away. And Quinn kind of looks around for a minute and then we cut over to a new scene. So, what the hell is the deal with that fan? Dude, I don't know. It's like this... It's like a walking stick with a fan on top. I don't know. It's like he's Gandalf or something. It's really weird. He fucking loves that thing, though. I don't know. I love that thing, but I don't know what it is. Maybe, okay, maybe it's a car part somehow. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's a part of an air conditioning unit. It's a full goddamn pedestal fan on top of it. (laughs) I know. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty freaking awesome, though. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So we have a we have a character here, and yeah. um, is this the titular homecoming queen? No, it's not. But did you happen to um, recognize him? Do you think that I recognized him? No, of course not. So his name is Vince. He's not the homecoming queen, and he's played by Philip Spensley. He's from the Tale of the Hatching. He got exploded. He was Mister Taylor. All right. Remember, he was sure. like, "Don't play video games in here, Sonny. It makes me explode." Don't you remember that? Yeah, I remember the character. I don't remember what he looks like. Oh, he looks like this guy with the sweet fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, well, back in the episode, a taxi cab is rolling up on a street, and out of the back seat steps Megan. And we get another little title card. That this one's saying, The Tycoon. And there's some, like, ching in the background. So, pretty cool. I love, I it love these title cards. They're pretty cool, aren't they? <laughs> yes. 
So stylish. Megan walks around looking at the houses saying 220, 222, 220. Where's 224? And she looks left. She looks right. She sighs. And she walks through an opening in the fence that's in front of her. And we get this cool aerial shot. And then somebody moves and spooks her. And she looks around and we see a tree rustling. And she calls out, hello? And then we see a little girl run by in the road. So Megan yells, hey! And chases after her. She goes back through the little opening in the fence, but the girl is gone. And then from behind Megan, that little shit kid from the first episode says, uh, I know where she went. I hate this kid. Why do you hate this kid? I'm so I'm so sick of him just showing up at every turn with his awful fucking Tina Turner wig. And he just <laughs> is such a little know-it-all. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, he's the silver sight. You know he's a silver sight, right? Yes. He's gotta be. Yes, he's definitely a bunch of broken record pieces put together of a human. I will give him credit, okay? He's got some moments in this episode. Like one. He's got like one moment. Okay? Sure. Megan asks where he came from, and the kid says, Good question. You look lost. Megan walks a little closer to the kid, telling him that she's looking for 224 Walker Court, and it's not here anymore. The kid laughs a little, saying, Sure it is. Megan's all, hello, we're standing right on it and nothing's here. And the kid looks at her and tells her, no, you're standing on it. And nods to look down. And Megan does, and we see that the sewer cover has a 224 on it. And the kid says that she's down there. And Megan frowns saying, yeah, sure. It goes to walk away, but the kid lifts up the manhole cover saying, I know what you're looking for. And Megan turns around saying, really? What? And the kid shrugs saying, the silver sight. If you want it, follow me. And he drops down into the sewer. Megan walks closer and then lifts her hands up saying, no way, forget it. She goes to walk away but stops and sighs saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. And she turns around and she goes down into the sewers. So if this kid is the Silver Sight and he doesn't want them to complete this quest because he's always like, you better not continue or bad things will happen. Why does he help him out at all? Because if he just never said anything about the sewer, Megan would have just been like, well, it's not here, and left. <laughs> I think what happens is that it wants to, it wants the kids to use it for evil. Because, I mean, we'll get more into, like, what happens with the silver sight in this episode, but I think he just wants to fuck shit up. Just like a little shit would, well, you know? Well, it seems like it just can fuck shit up anyway, but I don't know. <laughs> well, okay. I think what happens is that the Silver Sight wants new victims. Because it's been playing with these people for like 50 years or whatever. And it's bored. Wants new stuff. We cut back over to Quinn, who's following that guy Vince with the fan saying, Yo, bud, I'm looking for somebody. And the guy laughs saying, Here, good luck. And Quinn asks if this is 33 Call Street, right? I think. I don't know what the street is. It doesn't really matter. And Vince is all, Kid, I got every piece of junk made in the last 50 years, but I'm fresh out of people. Now get! But Quinn tells him... Her name's Donna Tilton. And the dude stops. He turns to look at him and asks, Why are you looking for her? Quinn's all, Uh, see, I'm part of this club and we're looking for all the old members. It's really cool. It's cool, really. I'm not trying to make any trouble. And the guy looks at him saying, You talk about that Midnight Society something or another? Quinn smiles saying, Yeah, that's it. Unless that's a bad thing. Then I'm not. Vince looks at him for a moment and then ushers him to follow. So Quinn does saying, Yes! Back with Megan, she's climbing down the ladder to the stewards saying that this is disgusting. And she takes a couple of steps and calls out, I'm here, kid. And then we hear the kid's laugh echo through the tunnels. And Megan calls out, hello, again. And then that little girl from earlier gets up, like she was hiding a little bit. And she gets up and she runs away Mm -hmm. from Megan. So Megan chases her saying, wait, it's alright. And asks her to stop. And she climbs up the pathway that she was running to. I didn't really know how to describe it. She, like, steps up into a new, like, tunnel, right? Right. Okay. So, a little bit of spoilers here, but I'm really glad that this little girl is a little girl, because as soon as I saw her, like, running away, I thought we were just gonna get a whole gaggle of kids running Uh, this way and that, saying cryptic things. (laughs) Really? (laughs) But no. Yeah. It's literally, it's just a, it's just a little girl. <laughs> yeah, she's just a girl. As Megan climbs up that path, she complains because she wore her best outfit. Because she thought she was going to be visiting <laughs> a really nice house. <laughs> That's her best outfit. 
I know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> like, I'm no fashionista or anything, but, like, a blue cardigan and an old navy vest is her... That's... that's her finest attire. Megan's, yep. She she brought wine glasses and that's stuff. That's her to the Sunday Society, best. <laughs> yeah. It's the clothes she meets the president in. Yeah. She didn't plan on being in some really strange house. And Megan looks over and we see, like, a white old-timey car, a fish tank... A piano and a bunch of lamps and stuff like it's like somebody's living room except there's a car in it right which i wonder how it got there but yeah whatever. i don't know how they fit the the car down there what the hell is that it's a fucking sewer you can't like i don't know it doesn't matter i guess she walks over to a couch with a grandfather clock next to it and she picks up a smoking pipe from a holder on the table and then she uses it to set off a mouse trap for some reason um <laughs> i thought that was so odd I just want to talk about that little scene for a second. Her picking up the smoking pipe and using it to set off the mousetrap, it's framed at an angle where you can't see that it's Megan. And I just get the vibe that that was shot later, and that's not Megan right there. And I don't, they just decided to add it for some reason. That's a live mousetrap. You can't just throw children at that. Oh, that must be why. Because it's definitely, the shot is like just Megan's torso. It's not her head. You can't really. Like, yeah, you can't tell who you can just see a little bit of her finest outfit and that's it. Yes. So, yeah, you're right. It's probably like Megan's stunt double. (laughs) (laughs) She steps over to a fish tank and she says, when did I step through the looking glass? And then we cut back to Quinn. This is there's a lot of cutting back between Megan and Quinn. It um, spoilers doesn't. It doesn't really cover the Andy and Vange, so that must be the meat and potatoes of the next episode. Yeah. We cut back with Quinn, and we see this big rabbit head with antlers, a.k.a. a jackalope, and uh, it's on a door, and it opens up, and in walks Vince and Quinn, and Vince is saying, step into my office. Sorry about the mess. Secretary's day off. And he throws a bundle of papers to the ground, and Quinn takes a seat where they were, and the guy asks where he got this address. Quinn says, uh, I talk to people, you know? And Vince praises him, saying that he's a smart kid, and Quinn's all, well, that depends on if you know Donna Tilton. Vince tells him that he knows her all right. Back in high school, him and Donna were the golden couple. Homecoming king, queen, the works. She was a beaut. Never seen anyone since even come close. And Quinn opens up a Coca-Cola, asking if he married her. But he says, nope, ran into the worst string of bad luck you ever saw. First his refrigerator went out. (laughs) <laughs> then it's washing machine. <laughs> Damn it. Silver sight strikes again. Yeah. Because I insulted that dumb kid's hair. This is what happens. I don't... Maybe my bad luck's already started and I just haven't noticed. No, no, no. He he ran into the worst string of bad luck he ever saw. He was a star athlete and then he broke his leg. He got in a car accident. And then he says something. I'm not really sure what he, what he says. I think he says he nearly bought the farm. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> that means he nearly died. Is that what? I've never heard that expression before. Really? It's a, yeah, a, I was a folksy, just like, folksy I, I, way to say it. Like, kick the bucket, I, bought the farm. I never heard that. No, I, I, I was like, he, his family almost bought a farm. How's that bad? Because <laughs> <laughs> he almost bought it, and then someone else bought it, and it was really profitable. That's a, but. Uh, okay, I never knew that that meant, like, almost dying, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but then a fire hit his house. <laughs> his family got out, but he ended up in the hospital. <laughs> That's just another fun way to say that he dropped an ice cream cone. <laughs> um, I gotta say, <laughs> I wish they would have given him some burn uh, makeup. Yeah. He says, it was as if a dark cloud of bad luck settled in over me and decided to stay. And Quinn thinks that's pretty tough. And Vince says, yeah, but the worst was still to come. And with that cue, we head back over to Megan. She's still fucking around in the sewer house. Now she's like lifting a spoon out of a teacup before she gets bored. And and she starts walking back by the couch. She touches something and a random man pops up yelling, what have we have here? Were you announced? And then a girl pops up smacking a ball with a tennis racket and she gasps and she looks at the dude and and, and back at Megan. And then a kid comes running down the tunnel saying, whew, five miles, beat the 1102 out of 
But he stops, and he looks at Megan, and he says, Whoa, who's this? The mom brushes off her sweater that's tied around her shoulder, saying, We don't know, dear. She hasn't told us yet. Then that little girl from earlier comes stomping over, and the dad says, Peggy, dear, did you leave the manhole open again? And Peggy kind of smiles and nods as the mom says, No matter. She's here now. And the boy just keeps staring at Megan, and it's super awkward. (laughs) Yeah, this kid is creepy. The mom tells Megan that they were just about to have some refreshments and asks if she wants to join them. And there's a cute part where they go back and forth saying, And the little girl in the middle is all, Huh? We're just going to grab a clip of it. And Megan is speechless at that shit show, and we cut back over to Quinn. Uh, What did you think about these people? They're the Gregories. I thought the parents were great. I did too. They're, they were the parents are great. The kids are meh. Whatever. But well, that man and that woman are just hamming it up, and it's great. They are. They are hamming it. Ugh. Let's meet them, okay? So the little girl in the sewers is Peggy. Did you recognize her by chance? <laughs> of course not. All right, well, that's fine. That's fine. She's played by Emily Van Camp, who you might recognize as Sharon Carter from the Marvel Universe. Nope. She also plays the main character in the TV series Revenge from 2011 to 2015. And she's been in a lot of other things like uh, The Ring 2, Everwood, and The Resident. And this was her first role. So she went from Are You Afraid of the Dark to being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. To being in a whole bunch of stuff I've never seen. But, hey, it's stuff. You know what, Brandon? I gotta say, when I first saw Emily Van Camp, that I can remember... Um, it was in Revenge, because I've seen that show before, and I thought that it was Lisa from The Room. <laughs> Whoa. Now that would be the, cool. She has, like, you know, blonde hair and different colored eyebrows, and I was like, oh, is that Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, it's not Lisa. <laughs> what has Lisa been in? I don't know. She was in that documentary about The Room. And the room, so that. At least two things. <sighs> yeah. Mr. Gregory is played by Bill Rowett, who we last saw as Mr. Dorney in The Tale of the Curious Camera. So the dad in that episode. And I read right. that and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, he makes a I much stronger impression that. in this episode. Yeah, he's great. I don't really have too much else to say about him, so I don't think he was in much else, but that's fine. Miss Gregory is played by Anique Matern, who played Thelma in Space Cases, which I think was the robot that was painted pink. Cool. It looks like she's done a good amount of voice work, too, like in Young Robin Hood and X-Duck X, Tripping the Rift, and Winx Club, including Dance Dance Revolution Winx Club. She played Musa. They made a Dance Dance Revolution Winx Club? They did, apparently. The series got out of control. Dude, it actually just got rebooted on Netflix to being like a spooky, dark, scary thing. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's kind of what they're doing to everything. Well, I mean, hey, it worked for Sabrina, it's going to work for Winx Club. (laughs) Did it, though? I don't know, I didn't watch any of uh, chilling Sabrina stuff. I don't know. Well, it's canceled, so not enough people did anyway. (laughs) Netflix cancels fucking everything. They really do. Todd Fennell plays The Last Gregory. Jim, and you probably don't recognize him as Mark from the Tale of the Forever game. You're right. Yeah, I didn't either. He's much. Uh, he's got more lines in this than he did in Forever Game. I probably covered him a lot back then, but he went on to do a lot of voices in video games, the classic stuff, Assassin's Creed, Tom Clancy, Deus Ex, blah blah blah. Yep. Okay, that's all the characters in this episode, though. So uh, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Quinn is still sitting in that chair as Vince tells him that while he was in the hospital, Donna started seeing another guy. And Quinn's all, no way, while you were sick? And Vince sides with Donna saying that he can't blame her since nothing was going right for him. But Quinn doubles down saying, that was pretty cold. Vince has got a book in his hands and he flips through it. Yeah, I can blame her. I can blame her too, what an asshole. What the fuck? Seriously. God, if somebody somebody you, like, are dating is, is in the hospital with burns and stuff, like... You should probably be there for them, not not be all like, yeah, I'm going to go get a new BFF. Seriously. Stupid. Get ho- Let them get home, wait a week, then leave them. Yeah, especially... <laughs> Just common decency. 
Exactly. Vince has got this book in his hands and he's flipping through it and he shows Quinn saying, see, that's her, pretty as can be. I was going to try and get her back, but before I got out, she went driving with her new boyfriend. There was an accident. Only one of them made it. Quinn's all, please tell me it was Donna. And Vince looks sad. And then we cut outside of his little shack and there's this car that's being held with chains on a platform. And it like creaks and moves a little bit. Back inside, Vince tells him, tragic, huh? This is going to sound nuts, but I got to tell you, it almost felt like there was some kind of force at work trying to keep us apart. And outside, that car's wheel groans and it moves some more. And inside, Quinn apologizes for bringing up bad memories. And he goes to leave, but Vince asks where he's going. And Quinn turns around saying that he's got to go tell his friend that Donna's gone. And he opens up the door and the chain holding the car snaps as Vince calls out for him to wait. And the car, it's... It starts rolling down the platforms at the little shack, but Quinn looks back at Vince who says, you haven't heard the whole story. So Quinn tells him that he doesn't need to, and they start hearing that fucking car, (laughs) and they look over as the car is barreling towards them, and Quinn yells, look out! And the car smashes into the shack, and it destroys the wall. Man, the pacing on this scene is just so slow. It is, right? Constantly cutting back to that car, like jiggling just an inch. And then it goes back to them talking and then shows the car falling and you think, oh man, it's like going to crash right into them. But then they talk for like 30 more seconds and then it cuts to the car (laughs) and it's still like three miles away. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah. But it eventually does crash into the building. Yeah, it has enough momentum to just completely destroy the wall instead of just bouncing off of it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's that's the commercial break, but the dust clears and Quinn and Vince are okay. And Vince pushes Quinn aside, yelling, I know what this is. It's coming after me. And Quinn asks, what is? And Vince yells, the silver sight. It's back. And then he screams into the sky. Leave me alone. You've ruined my life. What more do you want? And Quinn tells him, you know about the silver sight? That's what I'm looking for. And Vince is all, don't. Don't even go near it. I'm telling you, pal, every bit of bad luck was because of that monster. Leave it alone. And he grabs his fan walking stick thing and he tries to walk away from Quinn. But Quinn says, did did Don ever tell you about a record? And he stops and Quinn asks, I mean, a piece of a record that somebody gave her? It's real important. And Vince lifts up the record piece on a necklace chain and Quinn's all, that's it. That's the record. And he goes to reach for it, but Vince pulls it back saying, oh no, it's the only thing I got left of Donna's. Quinn says that he's got to have it and Vince asks, what for? Quinn tells him that they're trying to find that silver sight thing and destroy it. He looks at him and says, if it's still hurting people, I mean, maybe you ought to help me out. And Vince breathes in saying, I'll make you a deal. You do something for me and I'll give this to you. Quinn's all, no sweat. What do you want? Vince tells him that when he was in the hospital, he drew a picture of Donna. Quinn's all, you want me to go get the picture? Fine. Where is it? Vince tells him it was stolen from the same guy who stole Donna. Lang Candle. Bum, bum, bum. Quinn pulls out his piece of paper saying, Lang Candle, he was in the Midnight Society. And Vince tells him, yeah, give me back that drawing and I'll give you the record. It's so video gamey. This whole setup. It is. It reminds me of like N64 platformers like Banjo-Kazooie, where you'd go up to a <laughs> character and they'll be like, hey, do this dumb thing for me and I'll give you this broken record piece I found. <laughs> This whole tale is basically just a fetch quest. <laughs> yeah. Man, I just thought of how uncomfortable it would be to have a broken piece of jagged plastic hanging around your neck all the time. Yeah, right? What the fuck is wrong with <sighs> you? And I guess now uh, we know who got the he baby He also carries around a fan, so... <laughs> yeah, he's a, man. he's a junkyard man, so whatever. <laughs> he nearly bought the farm. Give him a break. Oh, right? He almost wasted all of his money on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your hidden mole neighbor. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Hopefully you listened to our first episode covering the tale of the silver sight before listening in now. But either way, thank you. I'd like to start off by giving a huge thank you to all of our patrons. The Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan. The Silver Goth, Shane, Steve, and Matt, and Geraldine. The Golden Daydays, Faith, Sarah, and Angela. And the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, Evelyn, Kaylee, and Matt. 
Thank you so much for your support, everyone. We greatly appreciate it. If you're looking to unlock hours of bonus content, including horror movie reviews, book readings, true crime stories, early release episodes, bloopers, and tons of extra content, check us out at patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as little as $1 a month today. We upload new content multiple times a week, so there's always something new to enjoy. It's that time again. It's giveaway time. This season, we're giving away some more shirts. Our merch store was recently updated with all of our seasonal art, and to celebrate the completion of Season 7, we're giving away shirts to two lucky listeners. As always, there's going to be two ways to enter in. The first, give us a follow on Instagram at Private Island Presents. Find our giveaway post, give it a like and a comment, tag some buddies, and you're in. You can find the second entry on Twitter. Give us a follow at PRVT Island. Find our pinned tweet, like it, retweet it, tag some buddies, whatever you'd like to do, and you'll be entered in to win. All patrons automatically get entered in to win it up all night, so if you'd like a third entry, become a patron today. We will be announcing the winner during our Season 7 wrap-up episode coming out on March 23rd, just in time for Brandon's birthday. For a quick link to all of our social media accounts, where you can enjoy all of our custom-made content, check out the link to your link in the episode description. It's also got a link to our Discord server, the Facebook group, and updated merch store. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme dating start from Undertale composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. And he is hard at work on some fantastic new artwork that I cannot wait to share. For now, I'll let you get back to the show. One more episode left for Season 7, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye! We cut back over to Megan in the sewers and we see Peggy. Peggy is sitting there and she just keeps putting bunches of sugar in her tea. You know, you got the little sweet sugar cube thing and you got the little like tongs and you got to drip the sugar cube in your tea. She's just putting a whole bunch of sugar in her tea. Kids love sugar. I know. That's the joke. Because we want, like, I don't have them all in here, but it keeps cutting back to her putting more and more sugar in her tea. But her dad says... Eleanor Gregory was my mother. She passed on years ago. Megan, who's sitting next to Jim, says, oh. And Jim's all, oh, it's okay. It's ancient news. Miss Gregory pours her some tea as she says, I don't mean to be rude, but don't you find it odd? And Miss Gregory butts in with, that we live down here? It is a bit dank, but we have no choice. Dank as fuck, yo. Some dank sewers, bruh. This is some dank ass shit. Mr. Gregory adds in that the mother made a fortune in the stock market before she was 20. We always had the finest of everything, until it all went sour. She nearly bought the farm. We see Peggy adding more and more sugar to her tea, and her dad smiles, raising up his cup, saying, Wonderful tea, dear. Megan asks what happened, and Mr. Gregory continues a little story, saying, Suddenly every decision mother made was the wrong one. It was as if she were cursed. Eventually her empire crumbled. What you see here is all that we have left. We cut over to Jim, who is just staring at Megan, and he tells her that she's she's very pretty. And Megan, ugh, is that that? And asks why they're down here. And Mr. Gregory explains that you can't make a fortune without also making some enemies. Mr. Gregory adds that they took everything they could. Their clothes, most of their cars, the mansion that used to stand above them. If they didn't hide down there, they would have taken everything. But they'll be back Oh, yes. The Gregory Empire will rise from the ashes and we'll be back on top again. And he lets out a triumphant laugh, but Megan screeches that shit to a halt, asking how. They give her the dirtiest look, and he says, I don't know. I'm working on it. And Peggy, at this point, just dumps in the rest of the sugar cubes into her drink. And Miss Gregory asks why she's so interested in Mother Eleanor. And Megan smiles, telling her that she and her friends are looking for this charm called the Silver Sight. The Gregories are pretty great, not gonna lie. Yeah, I like them. Let's say, hypothetically, you lost everything. Like, yes. how many uh, different scenarios and plans would you go to before you get to move down into the sewer? Um, Do you every... think they tried anything else? No, this was their go-to. They somehow fit that car in the sewer and they were like, well, we can't get it out now. This Let's was just plan down A. There. Yeah, this was plan A through Z, man. <laughs> but hey, at least all the sewer systems are connected. We learned that in Tale of the Last Dance. Yeah, you got the run of the city. Andy was like, oh, I got this story about these people that live in the sewer. Just like the Gregory's. Remember, Megan? 
Let me just screech my violin at you. <laughs> Dad slams his hand down on the table and stares at her. And Jim looks nervously and says, uh-oh. Mom touches Gregory's hand saying, please, dear, don't. But Dad stands up yelling, get out. That thing is the cause of Mother's ruin. If it wasn't for that horror charm, we wouldn't have to live down here like rats. And Megan tries to calm him down a little, but he gets closer to her asking what she wants it for. To use this vile magic? And Mom covers Peggy's ears as Dad yells about how this... How his mother used the magic and look where it got them. Megan tries telling him that they're going to destroy it, but he laughs saying, You can't destroy it. It only destroys you. Now get out. And Megan runs away from them. And Miss Gregory walks up to Mr. Gregory, handing him his tea saying, Finish your tea, dear. And he smiles saying, Thank you, sweetie. And we look at Peggy, who takes a sip of her tea with a smile. And that's the Gregory's. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. With Megan, she's running down the sewer tunnels, and she stops to catch her breath, and she sees the ladder, and she heads on up. But Jim stops her, saying, wait. So Megan gasps, and she says, back off, buddy. And he tells her, it's okay, and he's not going to hurt her. And they're not they're not as weird as she thinks. Well, at least he isn't, which he is, but that's okay. Yeah, and Megan's he's all, the weirdest one, but okay. <laughs> and Megan's all, that's nice. I'm glad. Goodbye. But he asks her to wait again, asking if she's looking for the broken piece of record. Mega tells him, yeah. And he tells her that he'll get it for her, but she'll have to come back later once his father's calmed down. Mega wants to know why, he, why he'd why he help her. And he replies, you think I like living down here in the sewer? If destroying the silver sight will get us out of here, then I'll do whatever it takes. Wouldn't mind seeing the sun again. And Megan sighs saying, okay, I'll be back in a few hours. And she hikes up the ladder as Jim's family yells that it's supper time. If he wants to see the sun again, why doesn't he just go up the ladder? Because of the enemies. <laughs> he doesn't have any enemies. I know. He's that's just what some I dumb too. kid. I mean, Peggy roams the lands. Yeah, she does. I, I feel like if they just, you know, like Peggy's in this kind of like, well, I guess they all are. Jim, but they're in like these rich people clothes. And if Peggy just like dressed normally, she would be fine. I think they would all be fine. Yeah, nobody notices or cares about them. So in this next scene, we're back at Gary's dorm. And uh, it's the same scene from the last episode where Megan stinks and she spritzes perfume on herself. And Tucker shows off that picture of the old Midnight Society. And, and blah, blah, blah. Gary asks Vange and Annie how they did. It's, it's the same scene. Like, Gary gets the phone yes. call from Grandma and bursts into action. And they leave the room, and they bump into Quinn, who steps into the room, asking why they... And then he stops and asks, whoa, what's that smell? And Vange tells him that Megan's been in the sewer, but he's all, nah, it smells more like bad perfume. And Megan stands up saying, that's it. If anyone wants me, I'll be hanging with the stinky mole people. And she leaves the room, and Vange goes back to work on the computer. And Quinn walks over to Andy, and he grabs the old Midnight Society picture, asking, hey, what's this? Andy tells him that it's... It's the OG Midnight Society. And Quinn excitedly asks which one Donna Tilton is. Andy points saying, I think that's her. And Quinn's all, excellent. I could use this. And he runs out of the room. I feel like he pulled that completely out of his ass. He doesn't know who's who. I know, right? Like, why would Andy know? <laughs> he wouldn't. But also, Quinn got shown a picture of Donna Tilton from the yearbook, didn't he? From Vince? So, wouldn't he be the one to know which one Donna Tilton was? I don't know. The answer is right. Yes, I am correct. <laughs> With Vance, she complains to Andy that they have the worst assignment. And he asks to try, saying a guy can't just vanish without a trace. And he sits down at the computer and we cut. Except all of these people have vanished without a trace. Megan didn't know that Eleanor was dead. Quinn didn't know that Donna was dead. I mean, the general, he's doing pretty good. <laughs> but everybody else is either dead or, like, a traitor. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Now we're with Quinn, and he's knocking on the door to the general's house, and the door opens up, and it's that little shit kid. He's there. He says, hello, Quinn. And Quinn's all, ah, hey, my name's... Wait, how'd you know my name? And the kid tells him that he knows a lot of things. Looking for a picture? And Quinn tells Certainly him, yeah. Does. And the kid invites him in, so Quinn walks on into this house, even though it's not this kid's house, and he's calling, hey, yo, weird little kid. <laughs> That's and he funny. hears <laughs> he hears a noise and he yells, come on, stop messing around. And he walks into another room. I, I want to stop for just a second, though. There's this thing where, like, he walks into the room and then he, like, disappears and appears in front of the camera. It, it was really cool looking, but I don't know what it, what yeah. it was. Yeah, 
we're watching the reflection in the mirror. Okay. And then the real one pops into frame. It was really cool. Mirrors are cool. They are. I wanted to touch on it because I didn't really know how to explain it when I was doing my notes, but it was just, it was really cool. Good job. Anyway, so he walks into this next room and he bumps into Tucker and we get that same scene from the last episode where, where Quinn grabs a picture on the wall. But this time we don't stick with Tucker. We walk out of the room with Quinn, who runs to the front door and opens it up only to get spooked by that kid again. And he gasps saying, oh man, stop doing that. And the kid looks at him and says, if you keep going, you'll look like that picture. And Quinn's all say, what? And he takes a look at that picture, which morphs into a skeleton. And he gasps again, and he drops that crap to the ground. And then he picks it up and he gives it another look before running out the door. So, kind of menacing, but like, not really. Yeah, it it was a good, a good little spook. Yeah. Okay, so now we're back over with Megan again, and she's climbing down the ladder into the sewers, and she walks down the tunnel a little, and we hear that kid laugh at her again. So she gasps, she whips around, and she calls out, Jim? And then she starts walking down the tunnel, and over in the Gregory's home, I guess, she hears a bang, and she calls out, Hello, Mr. Gregory? And we see somebody flipping through some papers, and Megan walks up saying, Are you Lang Candle? (laughs) And we see Lang as the one there. And he looks at her saying, General Lang Candle. She asks where the Gregories are. And he laughs saying, I threatened to call the police and they scampered off like rats. Megan asks him what he's looking for before saying, The record! You want their piece of the record! You're the traitor! And he stares at her for a second before asking, How many pieces of the record have you found? And Megan yells, None of your business! And he tells her, I can make you tell me. And then Megan says my favorite line. She's all sassy-like saying, What are you going to do, run me over? (laughs) Which I think is funny because, like, does she even know that he's in a wheelchair normally? I don't think so. (laughs) She's never met him. She doesn't know who he is. Maybe Gary and Tucker debriefed her, like... In a scene we didn't see, but also he's down in the sewer. Like, how do you think this old ass man got a wheelchair down in the sewer? Like, did he take the fucking, the car entrance? (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. I think it's really clever of her also that she figured out he's the traitor. Like, considering what she's seen from her perspective, like, we know he's the traitor. We've seen a lot more of what this guy's up to. Yeah. She just sees some guy digging in a sewer and she figures it all out. Yeah, she's just like, boom, Lang Candle, boom, you're the traitor. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, it's pretty impressive of Lang Candle to um, uh, book it from from Grandma Aggie's house to the sewers so quickly. <laughs> Oh, this guy's all over the place. He Just is. like the Silver Sight. <gasps> he seems to be the only one that hasn't had any bad luck. I mean, I guess aside from Gary's grandpa, who, besides dying, was fine, right? As far as we know, yeah. But, <laughs> so, Lang smiles at her, saying, perhaps. And then he dramatically stands up <laughs> and starts chasing her. Right. I just, oh, I loved it. He chases her into the sewers, and then he kind of trips up on something, and he yells, Come back here! at her. But she gets ahead of him, and Lang stops at a little fence area, and he yells, Go home, girl, you hear me? Leave the silver sight to me! And he goes to walk away, but he stops. And we get this Lord of the Rings shot, where Lang Lang Candle is up on the top part of the sewers, and we see Megan is ducked down below him. And he looks around, but he doesn't see her, and he leaves. And it was, <laughs> it was, uh, a he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it reminded me. Do you remember the part in? Um, you were there when we watched House of the Dead, right? Where they did this yes. scene as well. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I want to get, like, a side-by-side comparison of all three of these scenes. (laughs) So, the general leaves, and Megan gives a sigh of relief, and she crawls out from where she was hiding. And we then hear that shit kid call out for help a few times. So, Megan walks a couple of steps saying, Peggy? Jim? And the kid begs for help, and Megan runs up, and we see that shit kid is stuck on a train track. And he tells her that his foot's stuck. What are you laughing about? (laughs) 
<laughs> just like the name shit kid. <laughs> Megan asks who he is and what he's doing down here. And the kid's all, I'm scared. Help me out. So Megan gets on the tracks and she starts helping this kid. They struggle to pull him out of the tracks. And then they start vibrating. And Megan looks behind her and we see a train is coming down the tunnel. And the kid screams oh, for her to get, to get her out. And, and she's digging his foot out as he screams some more. And Megan tells him to pull his foot out. And the train just keeps coming closer until finally the kid snaps to look at her and says, Leave the silver side home, or you might get hurt. Fades away, and the train barrels into Megan, but also disappears in a cloud of smoke, and it knocks her over. It was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah. For a second, I forgot all this nonsense, and I forgot that that train probably isn't real. And I thought she was going to die for a little bit. <laughs> You're so naive, Brandon. <laughs> Nope, she's fine. Megan gets up and she warps to the Gregerson's room or whatever it is, and it's just completely destroyed. Link Candle just, like, fucking bashed all the shit in and stuff. Seriously. What an asshole. God, what? These people are, like, living in a sewer and you fucking destroy their house. What an ass. My favorite part, though, is that Megan walks over to a table and she looks at a geography book that says, For Megan from Jim. And she sees there's an envelope with a note in it in the book and she reads it it says please help us jim she opens it up and she takes out the record piece that says it's a race that has no winners on it so how did he fuck up that whole place and (laughs) not notice that brightly colored book with the envelope sticking out of it the only thing i can think is that jim put it there after lane candle left but like the note basically makes it sound like they're being captured by lane candle so i don't know yeah I don't know, man. The answer? Is who cares? Yeah, she got the record piece. Whatever. Now we warp over to Quinn, and Vince has the picture of Donna in his hands, and he wipes away a tear saying, You be careful, kid. I don't know what the silver sight is, but it hurt me. It hurt Donna. Don't let it get to you, too. And Quinn walks away from him with the piece of the record, and he reads it, and it says, With many ups and downs. And he wonders about that for a moment, and he walks away. And in the junkyard, he rounds a corner, and a dog starts barking at him. So he whips around to see the dog from earlier, and he runs the fuck out of there screaming for help, and he makes it to the fence, and he climbs over it just before the dog can get him. On the other side, he looks at the dog for a moment, and then he starts to run away, and we hear the the dog bark morph into that shit kid's laughing, and <laughs> we, see, we see that kid on the other side of the fence, and he, he skips away into the junkyard as the words to be continued appear on the screen. Yeah. That's the end of the episode. So, uh, yeah, we got uh, three pieces, four pieces of the record now. Yep, we just need one more from uh, Andy and Vange. I don't think they can do it. Um, I don't know, man. So, Andy and Vange are the last ones to get the record. So, I think, like, the last episode is obviously going to be them on their quest, right? And it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting because we've seen the least amount of them because... In episode one, we got to see that Quinn infiltrated Lane Candle's fucking mansion and stole this picture. But for right. Andy Advantage, we haven't gotten anything. Like, they don't even know what they're doing at the point of, of Gary's dorm. So, it's exciting. Yeah, something's going to have to happen. Because we're going to get scenes of them going to the library and not finding <laughs> anything. Well, they might just start us off at Gary's dorm, right? We, we probably won't see the... Maybe, we won't maybe be that we lucky. Maybe some... Some old lady's going to drop some bomb-ass tea on their asses in the library. (laughs) It can happen. It's happened before. Oh, man. So, Brandon, uh, uh, what do you think the moral of the story is? If you're... I I think it's pretty clear. Like, if you go bankrupt or whatever, don't hide in the sewer. (laughs) Yeah. Don't hide in sewers and don't buy farms. Yes, don't buy farms. Don't hide your car in the sewer. You're never going to be able to get it out. Hmm. Don't wear your best outfit in the sewer either. Yeah. Um, if your boyfriend or girlfriend goes in the hospital because of a house fire, don't just leave them for somebody else. Oh, good lord. I hope that gets explained a little in the next episode. You know what I if mean? If you're a guest but... in someone's home, don't like take their pipes that they put in their mouth and stick it in a mouse trap. <laughs> yeah. That's the real That's moral just impolite. Story. So she was fucking around with everything in their house. She's like laying candle. <laughs> she kind of was. <laughs> um. Uh. You know what? Though I'm looking forward to the next episode. 
Let's get this wrapped up. See what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be well, action-packed. Yeah. It's the end. It's literally the end of Are You Afraid of the Dark for us. You know, at least the original run of the show, anyway. Right. This is the fucking final episode next week, Brandon. It's number 91 of 91. We're a week away from being done with the show. And when we started this show, we started the podcast, this literally was the end. There was nothing else. And now we get, you know, an additional nine episodes, but we're at the... The pen, we just did the pen ultimate episode, and next up is the finale. Yeah. So, what do you think the next episode is going to be about? I think it's going to be a clown episode. Haven't Dude, had one I'd of those in a while. That. I'd be down for a clown episode, or maybe another vampire episode. That'd be dope. Give us more zombies. I want more zombies. Um, I think in the next episode, you know, we're going to definitely see what uh, Vange and Quinn are, or I mean, uh, Vange and Andy are up to. And then we'll probably, you know, get all the records and we'll hear what the message is. And they'll have to figure out where the silver site's hidden from that. And then uh, they destroy it. And uh, Grandpa Gene's like, you avenged my spirit, Gary. I love you. And then he'll wisp away into the unknown. God, I hope so. (laughs) I was the traitor the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So, right. Next week. Tale of the Silver Sight Part Trey. I cannot wait. I think I think it's gonna be great, man. I think it's gonna be. I mean, this this should be like they're gonna put everything they can into it, right? I mean, the whole thing. They have to. Well, I think this is gonna be another shorter episode, uh, just like last week. But I don't think we have much else to say about it. I mean, I'm sure we'll have more to say next week when we get to the uh, fucking finale of the whole show. So. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I'll just. I've been up to all night. To be continued. I guess, yeah, I'll, let's just to be continued. Done. <laughs> nah, I've been I've been up all night. I think I'm gonna go and marinate over what I just watched and uh, hope for next week. And I don't know. I, I guess I'll see you. I'll talk to you next week, Brandon. I, we're done. All right, I'll be here. All right, bye everybody. Bye. bye.